Welcome to another episode of Negative War, Positive Vibes. CJ Nikowski, Ryan Spielborg's the offseason now officially underway, and we got a ton of early action. There is a lot going on around Major League Baseball, specifically with options, player options, team options, mutual options, who's in, who's out, who are now free agents. And it's been kind of surprising, quite honestly, early on here to see this free agent list climb and get a little bit deeper and perhaps none bigger, at least to start this, I guess we'll call it option season, Spilly, is the idea that the Chicago White Sox declined their option on Tim Anderson. And you think about what Tim Anderson would have cost the Chicago White Sox. $14 million in this day and age, not a lot of money. Look at, of course, what he did. I get it. This year wasn't a great year for him, and there was everything else with the fight and Jose Ramirez and what turned out to be an awful year in Chicago. But it was just a year ago. I know it was limited time. But this is a guy that last year, I say last year meaning 2022, hit 301. The year before that in a full year, 309. Like he's a batting average beast. He's got a batting title behind him from 2019 uh, when he hit 335 and he's been an all-star a couple of times. He's gotten MVP votes in the past and he's only going into his age 31 season. I get it. It was a down year. 524 plate appearances, one home run, he hit 245, the on-base was brutal at 286 for him. Nothing went well at all for Tim Anderson this year, but I was a little bit surprised. $14 million, you could have had him back. It's very thin. The shortstop market, or in his case, even the second base market, now that we know he's willing to move to the other side of the infield, I believe he'll probably get that, at least that uh, in the free agent market. But what would you make of this decision, the Chicago White Sox saying no to 31-year-old Tim Anderson for $14 million? Well, it felt like this was done behind the scenes, right? Like this one feels to me as if uh, Pedro Grifal and their front office, they kind of asked the, the landscape to say, what do you think? And my guess is they said, it's time to cut bait. It's time to move forward. Uh, we want to clean up this clubhouse. We want guys that want to be here, right? Like we heard that at the end. And I'm not saying that Tim Anderson didn't want to be here because I, I don't know. But what I do know is you can Google search it. Uh, you can look at uh, Tim Anderson and what he dealt with off the field. Uh, not fun to deal with. And so I understand it from a, you know, from a human side. You know, if that's my teammate, I do everything I can to support him. But beyond that, I mean, $14 million to bring somebody back into the clubhouse where it doesn't, you know, sometimes you just have to like cut ties and just go like, we're better off with a, a change of scenery and, and starting fresh. And that's what I feel like it, like that this last year. It couldn't have been any worse for Tim Anderson. And in a way, I feel bad for him. Uh, I remember during the WBC, Mark DeRosa was saying, man, this Tim Anderson, you know, he's got a dog in him. And he's, you know, he's like a version of Trey Turner. And I saw it. I was like, yeah, I love this guy. This guy's awesome. Uh, you know, we, we said all year long, Tim Anderson to the Dodgers felt like the perfect fit. Here's a shortstop. Super athletic, really talented. And then everything just hit the fan for Tim. Legitimately, everything hit the fan. Uh, this is always like proof of why on-field results also have to be looked at on what's going on off the field. I mean, like when somebody's really dealing with things off the field, it Im impacts their performance on the field. And that's what it felt like. And that's what it looks like. And as you read about it, yeah, like there's no question that 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 has to have been um, something to do with it. But from 2019 to 2022, his average season during that time frame is crazy. I mean, he was the 318 hitter, 350 on base percentage. Uh, I mean, like the, 
that's a that's a 122 OPS plus shortstop. And I, I do. I'm with you. I think I think Tim moves to second base. Um, you know, I watched him. God, how many games did I watch the White Sox this year? Twelve. I saw him 12 different times and wasn't he wasn't standing out to me at shortstop anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm OK with him moving to second base. I'd love, I think I think any team that gets him, I think there's a couple teams out there that where he kind of fits the mold for them. Uh, it's just, you know, is it a multi-year deal? Is it two for 28? Is it two for 30? Is it two for 20? Like, what's the cost? Is there an option on the backside of it? Has Tim been able to clean up some things off the field to kind of get him in a, in a right headspace? Like, there's a lot of questions. That's a lot of questions, CJ. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I understand why the White Sox walked away from it. I also hope if if Tim gets his gets everything back in order, whoever gets Tim Anderson is going to be lucky. Is going to be lucky. This is going to be the the player where everybody's going to be like, "Damn, he could have Tim Anderson for two for twenty or two for 30. <laughs> like people are going to go like, "Damn, why didn't we take a flyer on that one?" Because I I have a feeling if he's right, he's right. Yeah, he's going to have to prove it, right? And I think that becomes part of the conversations with any team that he talks to. You got to get a feel. And then trying to figure out what is the best match for him based on everything that we can kind of conclude from the outside. I think going someplace where he's not the star, where he's not asked to be in a leadership role, he's asked to be a piece of the team. You got to make sure that he feels good about and completely open to the idea. Yeah, I need a reset. I'll play wherever you want me to play. I'll hit wherever you want me to hit. I need to hear those things probably from him directly before I make any kind of investment. Uh, along those lines with him because we know how good of a player he can be uh, it hasn't been there uh, all of a sudden now and maybe it's just a one-year deal and he needs to go do it somewhere else things got ugly in Chicago it's not fun losing will bring out the worst and you mentioned some of the other things that are going on as well and I'm fascinated now where the White Sox go right Chris Getz takes over and he is now in charge of this team Tim Anderson is gone. Mike Clevenger uh, declined his mutual option he becomes a free agent Uh, you got to figure out what Liam Hendricks probably not coming back Yasmani Grandal is done there, right? These are some pretty big pieces. However, names you know, there are still other names that you know that are locked in. Andrew Benatendi's got four years left on his deal. Yohan Moncada's making 24 next year with a club option. Luis Roberts got two more years with a couple of more club options on the back end. Same thing with Aloy Jimenez, Aaron Bummer, right? Those are the guys you have locked in. You have two more years of control of Dylan Cease, two more years of control of Michael Kopech. I know it hasn't gone exactly his way, but they're this to me now, even though they've lost a couple of big pieces, especially in Anderson, Clevenger, Grandal, and probably Hendricks, there are still good players on this team. They're sitting about $40 million below where they finished a year when it comes to projected payroll going into next year. What do you do if you're the White Sox? Do you just go ahead and take a big step back? Being caught in the middle is the worst place to be. However... It is the American League Central. That is a place where you can be like, you know what? We can be middle. We can kind of half go for it and still maybe win our division. I mean, especially if you start looking around at the Guardians. The Twins won that thing with 87 wins last year. And they got a lot of guys, a lot of free agents they have to deal with right now, uh, especially in the rotation with guys like Sonny Gray, uh, Maeda. We know that um, there are pieces and it's going to be a big offseason for the Twins. I don't know which way I go right now, right? Dylan Cease will bring you a ton back. In return, if you wanted to trade Luis Robert, you certainly could get oh, a ton in return. Man. I know it. I'm, I'm like the thought of it sounds awful. If I'm a White Sox fan, I'd be furious. But we've seen it work. We've the Baltimore Orioles. It worked, right? They were terrible for a while. Now they're great. The Rangers, the same thing. These rebuilds are not 100 percent guaranteed that you're going to get there. 
But if you do it right and you get the pieces in return, you could be then in that situation that the White Sox or excuse me, that the Orioles are in right now. I know it's a little bit different, um, but I'm wondering if they just go ahead and take the big step backwards, a half a step forward, a half a step backwards. I don't know which way I go right now. If I'm Chris Getz, they are really, as I look at this club, sitting in the middle and their plan for this offseason to me, because they are a big market in Chicago, I find as fascinating maybe as any other team in the game. Okay, so uh, uh, a couple things roster construction-wise, and I noticed this last year when when I saw Chicago, it's it's very Latin heavy, and, and that's fine, that's totally okay. Um, but when you when you hear about losing Jose Abreu from a season ago, mm. Abreu was was really a the Latin leader of this clubhouse, and so uh, you know we we heard you know that there's so many different claims, and you could read about it. I mean you know, players not being on time and, and we know it was addressed by Rick Hahn, but come on, when there's smoke, there's fire. So I, we, we did, we did hear, uh, and that's not saying like, it's a, it's a Latin problem. It's just that they had no true leadership. There was no true leader in the clubhouse for the white Sox. And, and you could say, well, Spilly, what about Liam Hendricks? He was battling cancer, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. well, what about this guy? He was going through all this stuff. And so, if you want to figure this part out, first off, I'm not trading Luis Robert for anything. That's the Cuban Mike Trout. This is this guy is so damn good. It's not even funny. This guy is a top five player in baseball, like as a position player. He is a top five position. He's 26 years old, CJ. Mm-hmm. Like this would be so this would be crazy to trade Luis Robert. So what I would try to figure out is, OK. Who are the guys that we want to build around? I want to build around Luis Robert. Uh, I've seen Oscar Colas play. You know, he's a young 25-year-old. He's, you know, he's, but he's, I, it, like, this one felt like, a, like, this is a project. Maybe I, I move on from it. I start to figure out, okay, what is the, what does our best lineup look like? And then how do we get everybody pulling in the same direction so that they're all on the same page? Do we need to go out and find a find a player out there that is well regarded as a Latin leader. If we wanted to keep this clubhouse, because there there is there's a lot of. Let me tell you how many there's. You have five Dominicans, four Cubans, three Venezuelans, one Colombian. You have a very diverse clubhouse, which is amazing. I love that, but you have to get them all on the same page. And last year, all we heard time and time again was the White Sox as a collective whole. We're not on the same page. They were lacking leadership. And so you do have to go out there and find leaders. I'll give you an example. The Pittsburgh Pirates last year, they went out, they got Carlos Santana. They 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 got Connor Joe to kind of lead their 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 bench. Um, you heard about the impact Austin Hedges had uh, leading the catchers group and some of the pitching staff. Carlos Santana leading the Latinos. And like you had a really nice collective hole for the first half until obviously talent, um, you know, kind of kept them short. So same thing, do, do the same thing. Find, find your leaders that are available in the free agent market. Is it a Justin Turner? Is it a Carlos Santana? Uh, is it an Austin Hedges, right? And like, and try to empower the guys that are in there that are going to be in there longer to follow the lead of being, you know, on time, good teammates, and and watch and see what else happens after that. 
they got to add something for sure. If they decide to stay competitive, I'm with you. Uh, the character, the clubhouse chemistry seemed to be an issue again, kind of guessing from the outside, but all indications pointed in that direction. They also got to figure out how to get on base more. Last in all of baseball with a 291 on base percentage. So Tim Anderson looks like he is headed out. Uh, the, the option not picked up by the Chicago White Sox, I doubt it's because they want to sign him for a lower number. Uh, be curious to see where he ends up, what kind of impact he can have, and if he can get back to where he was uh, just a year ago. And you mentioned that run that he went on from 2019 to 2022. We know how good of a player he can be, especially if you move him off of shortstop and perhaps he goes over to second base. You mentioned another name in there as we sit here and go through teams and players uh, that are declining their options or the team is declining their option. Uh, a couple of guys in somewhat similar positions uh, Justin Turner being one of them, Jorge Soler, another Turner, of course, with the Red Sox, Soler with the Miami Marlins, uh, opting out of their deals. $13.4 million for Justin Turner, Soler at $13 million. Different guys in the sense that of where they are right now uh, regarding age, uh, but certainly some impact uh, potential bats, uh, guys that can DH, guys that can move around a little bit. 36 home runs for Soler with an 853. Um, OPS, uh, pretty incredible. Turner, I thought for sure, I, I say for sure, I thought there was a decent chance uh, that he was going to stay and stick in Boston. It was a really nice fit for them. It, looked, it ended up being a really nice deal uh, that they signed him to, uh, but he had that flexibility. He opts out, so he will be a free agent again. A guy that's going to turn 39 years old, Spilly, uh, here and coming up, uh, what, November 23rd is that birthday for Justin Turner. Good year for him and even 800 OPS, 23 home runs in his 626 plate appearances, uh, the most he'd ever had in any single season in his career. So he's out there. He's doing it. 114 on the OPS plus, meaning 14% better than league average. Uh, what's 39-year-old Justin Turner look like? I mean, can we just assume that he will continue uh, to hit the way that he did this past year? I mean, it was really impressive. Uh, at 39, especially if you're looking at a DH, but him and Soler right now, a couple of guys that are willing to give up $13 million to hit the free agent market. Uh, these are good pieces. These are some really big pieces with some good pop in the bat. I mentioned Soler a little bit more so than Turner, but they're both headed to the free agent market and the DH market has suddenly gotten a little bit deeper. Yeah, it has. And I'll start with Turner. Uh, I, I still like, I was a little bit shocked to see him turn down the, the option just because I was like, dude, you're 39, but then you look at the numbers and you're like, I guess he's got another two year deal in there. It's crazy, crazy, crazy to think, you know, Justin Turner's first game uh, in the big leagues was with the Baltimore Orioles in 2009. And then he was DFA DFA does it for assignment after uh, his age 28 year with the New York Mets, that's when he ran into and played with uh, with a teammate, Marlon Bird, and Marlon Bird took him dur during the offseason and revamped a swing, and that swing is what like all these kids uh, <laughs> they're trying to learn the leg kick of Justin Turner. It's crazy, 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 crazy to think from age twenty nine until the last the last really last decade, he's been one of the best right handed hitters in the sport. One hundred seventy nine home runs, two ninety three batting average during that time frame. He's also scary when he when he comes up to the plate. It's a six six hundred seventy RBIs during that time frame. It's crazy. One thirty one OPS plus. That's that's after that's after getting DFA'd. Uh, reminds me a lot of Nelson Cruz who just retired too. So uh, I think in the case of Justin Turner, there there's a couple teams. Do, does he return to the Dodgers? Because it was clear that they missed him. Uh, there's times where I was like, man, they missed Justin Turner, but they still. 
uh, won their division. There's other teams like the Rockies uh, look for a player like this because it gives you TH flexibility. Um, I, I don't know. Could it be the Marlins a re, you know, reunited with Skip Schumacher if they do move on from Solaire? I don't know. There's a bunch of teams that would be really interested in Justin Turner. My guess is a two for 25. Probably pay him 15 this year, 10 next year, just based on age. Um, but that's that's a hell of a career, man. A hell of a career. He's going to end up with 17 years in the big leagues. 17 years in the big leagues, and he'll be just shy, probably, of 2,000 hits. <laughs> yeah. That's insane. That's insane. That's uh, been a great so- career. But I am I'm, I just can't help but wonder, right? I mean, how like you said, the two-year deal, especially the way you constructed it, certainly takes out. Uh, some of the risks there lowering the back end. 98 starts last year for him at DH. 35 over at first, four at second, seven at third, right? So you can move him around the infield if you need to, not necessarily, I think, in a big capacity, but if you want him to play first, you want him to DH, that's a bulk of where those at-bats came from uh, last year. But the DH position has suddenly gotten really deep, as I mentioned. Of course, we'd all know about Shohei Otani. You have Soler, uh, and now you have Justin Turner, Tommy Pham, Michael Brantley, J.D. Martinez, Carlos Santana, all guys that can spend a little bit of time in the field if you need them to outside of Otani. But you are looking at guys also that uh, are going to take the bulk of your DH at bats. I find it fascinating, man, that there's this many good DHs uh, that are out there. And I'm wondering, you know, where teams are going to go and try to prioritize. So you mentioned the Dodgers will need somebody, assuming J.D. Martinez is going to leave. So with Justin Turner reunion, uh, perhaps there's something else there. And who knows? Maybe it's the flip side where J.D. Martinez goes back to uh, Boston, depending on how they're going to treat their offseason. But all of a sudden, we, we went through a phase where it was a little, we were a little iffy on some of the DHs. And now all of a sudden, you look at a bunch of really good ones uh, that are potentially out there. So that'll be a, a fun market to watch, especially now, of course, because we have that universal DH and doing it in both leagues. But that position all of a sudden now uh, running really deep with both Turner and Solaire opting out of their deals, leaving 13 and $13.4 million on the table. Uh, a lot of pop, a lot of experience. I want to shift over to the pitching side with you a little bit and some sad news. I think to some degree, we watched Clayton Kershaw this year. Uh, well, we watched the stuff go down. We kept hearing that he wasn't hurt. Uh, he was out there still competing with diminished stuff. It was kind of incredible, actually, when you look at what his regular season looked like. He made 24 starts, he had a 2.46 ERA. He won 13 God. games. Like, all that is wild. We know that he was struggling down the stretch. We had a chance to talk to Dave Roberts every week on Loud Outs. We talked about that with him. He had the really bad start in the NL uh, DS where he got knocked out and went just a third of an inning, gave up six runs. He obviously wasn't right. Uh, we were told he wasn't hurt. We find out now that he was hurt, or at least he is hurt, needs shoulder surgery, and uh, hoping to pitch next summer, which will be his age 36 season. I get a little bit concerned about his ability to bounce back. Not that you ever want to doubt a guy like Clayton Kershaw, who's eventually going to the Hall of Fame. But shoulder surgery at 36 years old, he'll turn 36 in spring training. He's already had the surgery, but during rehab and everything else at 36. Um, did we see Clayton Kershaw? There was the last pitch for the Los Angeles Dodgers. God, I hope not. Uh, but I, I could also see it being the end. I don't, I'm, I guess my questions always are for players is, you know, how much is it worth it for you to like, you've already done everything. There's no, is there any other box left to check for Clayton Kershaw other than, you know, longevity stats? There really is. I mean, he's got a world series. 
He has his over 2,000 strikeouts. He has over 200 wins. He's He's got multiple Cy Youngs. Like, there's nothing left uh, for for Kershaw other than I want to rehab and, and finish on my own note. I, what does he have, four children now? So, I mean, and in some cases, like, yeah, you kind of want your kids to grow up around the sport a little bit more. That's like the one thing uh, I wish I had, like, two or three more years so I could add my, my son and daughter around me in the clubhouse a little bit longer. It's such a cool thing when you see kids growing up in the clubhouse. So I don't know. I mean, like at this point, if Kershaw rehabs and it, let's say it wasn't too invasive of a shoulder surgery, can he be back next year? And does he want to, you know, finish the last couple of months of the season, take a tour if that's the end, if he feels really good, push it again? I, I don't know. But, you know, like there's always that, that you know, get it like you either go for it or get off the pot. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, so it's like. How long do you want to keep pushing this? Eventually, you and your wife are going to want to, you know, be be parents, full time parents. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like this one is is much more personal than you know. The league is begging you to come back and like, hey, we have to have you. Uh, you're still really good. We'd love to have you, but I don't think I don't think people are lining up out the door for Clayton Kershaw at his house after shoulder surgery, going like, can you please pitch for us? I, I just don't yeah. see that. His quote was hopeful to return to play at some point next summer. Uh, it was surgery on some glen- I'm going to say it's right. Glenohumeral ligaments. Take that for its worth and a capsule on his left shoulder. Right. And so we know shoulder surgery is not the same, obviously, as elbow surgery in the sense of the history and the consistency in which guys can bounce back. That is uh, concerning uh, for sure to have that kind of shoulder surgery. Uh, but he will go through it. I mean, the one thing about you mentioned, you know, when a guy's willing uh, to kind of walk away, what makes the most sense? If you feel that competitiveness in you, uh, then you're going to continue to go through it. The question becomes, does he do it with the Dodgers? Or as you start to get that little bit of a pull about coming home, there had always been those rumors with him and the Texas Rangers, because, of course, that's where he's from and grew up and uh, wondered if he would ever sign that one-year deal toward the end of his career. If he wanted to be home to rehab, this would be that opportunity to do it. Now, I will tell you that I think for the Texas Rangers going into next season, you know, older pitchers, probably something that they would want to stay away from just based on where they are right now with their rotation and some of the injuries that they had to deal with. It's Nate Evaldi, it's Max Scherzer, uh, Andrew Heaney uh, took his player option. So he will be back. We know, of course, Jacob deGrom will be bouncing back from Tommy John surgery. He's hoping, of course, to be able to pitch for them. The last couple of months, you have John Gray, who missed some time at 32 years old. Dane Dunning, the youngest member projected in that rotation right now to start next year. And then, of course, I got to believe they're going to make a pretty hard push to try to bring Jordan Montgomery back at 31 years old. But you and I talked about this in the last pod, and that was how many starters ended up in the bullpen for the Texas Rangers, four of them, uh, because they needed help in the bullpen. And so it is what it is. And I, I you know, it's, a part of me, my first thought was like a no on Kershaw for the Rangers. But I could see where if he wanted to be home, living in his house, sleeping in his own bed, rehabbing in Arlington, they got unbelievable facilities right now, the best in Major League Baseball, perhaps for the right price, they would they would take that chance. You know, whether it's a guarantee, uh, whether it's a minor league deal, once you get activated, it gets to this, like you certainly have the opportunity to get really creative. But going back to what you were talking about with family, uh, that might be it if he wants to be home. It's going to be weird, though, for sure. Now, the Rangers did that a couple of years ago with Tim Lincecum. Right, He was a guy that they tried to rehab, couldn't quite get all the way back uh, at the very end of, of his career. So it's not something they haven't done before. Uh, that that might be out there. What do you think about Kershaw saying, you know what, I know I'm going to miss at least half of the season, 
And here we are at the very beginning of November. Let me go ahead and do my rehab uh, with the Texas Rangers, do it at home, uh, have the facilities that I need, and I get to sleep in my own bed. Yeah, be, that would be a really tough one to say no to if I was Clayton Kershaw. <laughs> uh, but then in the same in the same breath, you know, the Dodgers would go, wait, 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 wait a second. Like, we can't have the Rangers taking you. You can still rehab in Dallas, like, but we can't. We can't have you finish your career in a Rangers uniform. No way. You know, whatever they're going to give you, we'll give you the exact same or more, a dollar more. Like, no way. Like, we are not. There's no way we're going to let this this franchise face finish his career uh, in a different uniform. So I, I would guess, like, if, you know, from a Dodgers standpoint, if I was a Dodgers exact, you know, I'd be like, God, I I don't want I I can't imagine seeing him in a different uniform, but you also understand there has to come a time and place where an organization, whether it's the Dodgers or we we could talk Joey Votto for a second, Cincinnati Reds, where you get to a certain level and like, do we have other players on these rosters that eventually are better than you? Mm-hmm. And can we get you at a at a number that makes you know a ton of sense to at least recognize what you mean to the organization, but also at the same time not see you in another uniform? Because we're talking 16 years. In the case yeah. of Votto, it's 17 years in the Reds uniform. I don't yeah. want to pick I don't want to pay $20 million for for, for Clayton Kershaw. I don't want no. to pick up the the option for Joey Votto, but I don't want you in a different uniform. So, <laughs> yeah, but so I get I don't it. think like, the Reds for, will care. I mean, I, I get it. It's not fun to watch. It's not going to be fun for their fans. But this is a cold hearted business, as we know. And that's why they're not paying him 20 million. I don't think they would pay him, you know, three or four to be back, quite honestly, just because of the roster construction right now. And for the Dodgers, I mean, they have obviously dealt with so many injuries. He, you know, he's a very special case, but at a very inexpensive number, I think that probably would make some sense if they want to do it again, because he still had a good like year. Like a million dollars, a million dollars for Kershaw. And by the way, he is uh, 60. I'm terrible at math. He's 56 strikeouts away from 3000. Yeah. And they and certainly they would love to see him do that in uh, a, a uh, Dodgers uniform. We'll see, man. I mean, we've seen some greats obviously finish their careers in different places, trying to hang on at the very end. Yeah, the Dodgers do it for a million dollars all day long. I think they would do it for five and maybe even as much as 10 uh, because of his circumstances and who he is. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, they know also what is the reality. He said he hopes to be pitching, and that was his word, hopes to be pitching next summer. They'll have a pretty good feel on what the reality of that is as well. But he is one of the few that will get the treatment uh, that he will be getting, understandably so. He absolutely um, deserves it. Now, that's the guy that's down the list as far as what we're going to get from free agent pitchers this year. The guy at the very top of the list, Billy, as we just come to find out that Yoshinobu Yamamoto uh, will officially be posted. It's not necessarily a surprise, but at the very top of everybody's list here uh, is the right-hander coming out of Japan. I uh, had been pitching for the Oryx Buffaloes. He is only 25 years old. He just turned 25. Darvish, so he'll be in his 20, age 25 season next year. You Darvish was 25 in his first year in the big leagues. Uh, Tanaka was 25 years old, his first year in the big leagues. You talk about making an investment in a guy that you believe uh, can do a lot for you. Uh, this is the guy, and he had a pretty incredible year. I know we got to be careful when we start comparing Japanese numbers and what does that look like, uh, but a 1.21 ERA for his career in MPB, a 1.82 
uh, career ERA. He's absolutely dominated. Strikeouts have been very respectable, just under 10 per nine. I should say probably just over nine, but very respectable in a league that can be tough to strike hitters out. An even walk rate of two per nine over the course of his career. He fills up the strike zone. He's really good. There's a lot to like. I think the idea that Kodai Senga was as good as he was this year for the Mets at age 30 only helps him, only helps that cause of guys coming over as we see them kind of getting better and better and making the adjustments that are necessary quicker. Senga is certainly a really good example of that. Uh, this becomes fascinating now. At the very top, there's always the unknown. And knowing it's a it's a pretty good market, right? Blake Snell, Aaron Nola, Sonny Gray, I mentioned Jordan Montgomery, Eduardo Rodriguez opted out. Like there's some good starters uh, that are out there. Uh, but this is the guy that sits at the very top because he's far and away the youngest, 25 years old. Everybody else is pretty much in their early 30s or just getting ready to turn 30 years old. This becomes fascinating. We never know completely uh, what is a sure thing and what isn't coming over from Asia. Uh, but this guy right here, this right-hander, uh, looking like at just 5'10", is going to be uh, the biggest free agent pitcher this offseason. Isn't that crazy? And uh, I, don't, I don't know what the market's going to be. Senga was getting $15 million a year as a 30-year-old. Um, so are we looking at 20 to 25 a year for this 25-year-old? That, that's that's a pretty big uh, jump when, when you consider, like, MPB versus Major League Baseball. They're very similar, but they're different. So, and we get it. I also think when it comes to Japanese pitchers, what makes them so unique is, is the fork ball that goes fork, split finger. It's such a highly developed pitch. And if you have velocity with it, which usually you do when you're younger with that fork, I mean, he's going to strike out 200 batters next year. He's going to mm. like, like just put it in the books. Um, This guy's going to come over. It's, it's a really hard deceptive pitch. Probably the hardest pitch in baseball. I still think like the split finger in a, in a way is an illegal pitch because it's basically a, it's like a, it's a fast spitball. That's what it is. It's a spitball from back in the day at 90 to 92 miles an hour. So it has the action of a knuckleball with the speed and velocity of a fastball. So it's like that. Good luck hitting that thing. Uh, I, I just, I wonder how many teams are going to be after it. I wonder if, you know, like there's so much, you know, do you want to play New York, Chicago? Uh, you know, the, is this a nice fit for the Cubs? Is this a good fit for San Francisco that's looking for impact? Is it mm. Seattle? Is it San Diego? I mean, there's just so much, CJ, when it comes to these players. And also, I think you and I have, have said this before. I'm really interested in a form of what we see with soccer, with, with football, uh, a loan system a loan system of players so you can move from from Japan to the United States or or any sort of, you know, I get it with the posting uh, with free agency, but imagine having players on your roster in AAA that are, that are stuck that could go play in the MPB and, and make a little bit more money and play for some Japanese teams and whether that opens up, uh, you know, however many foreign players you can have on a roster, and you can get a little bit more, you know, back and forth between these these two great baseball communities because <laughs> the players that we've seen from uh, from Korea, from Japan, I mean, they're impact players, impact players at the major league level. So imagine having players from here that are, you know, stalled in AAA that can go and play in Japan and, you know, and not be a free agent, but but still be, you know, held by the Rangers, but still be making money in Japan and, and getting those at bats and getting success and then could come back. I don't know. There's, there's gotta be a system because it works 
with soccer. Maybe it's possible. I mean, the idea, I guess, if you have a player in your system who right now doesn't have a path to the big leagues, I don't know what the incentive is to let him go play somewhere else, right? You're not in the business of doing people favors, and God forbid you do need that player uh, later in the year, and he's playing in Japan. I think there, there'd be some regret. I mean, you have to talk about guys that you feel like have zero chance at playing in the big leagues this year to even open up that opportunity, and then what's the desire for teams in Japan and in Korea that would want those players that have zero chance, because it has to be zero chance of playing in the big leagues. Otherwise, there would be no interest in letting those But think, uh, it, but think about the players that have gone, like Colby Lewis, Merrill Kelly, uh, yeah. Ryan Ryan Vogel's song. Think about those those like guys that went over there, reestablished themselves, and come back. Yeah. No, I, I get all that. But that's also has to do with the fact that they go over as free agents or not free agents, but they sign, you know, they go make some good money over there and they're there for multiple years uh, and be able to do it and kind of reset themselves. Yeah. If you're talking about older guys that are struggling a little bit. Yeah, that for sure. There's definitely an opportunity, which is pretty much how you get over there anyway, whether it's the middle of the season or in the off season where you get sold to one of those teams. But uh, either way, we do know this at Yamamoto, I think probably the biggest guys you mentioned uh, the Giants, they have got to be in on him. The Dodgers, in my opinion, have to be in on him based on everything that's gone on with all of their pitching. Uh, you know, other contenders, you know, wonder about the New York Mets. We will see the Atlanta Braves, who knows, may be in on him. Some of the issues they've had with the starting rotation and the maybe some of the flexibility that they have uh, would be interesting. So I think all the big dogs are in on this guy. Uh, we'll find out once that posting becomes official. Then you get that 45-day window to get things done. Another guy who... Uh, opted out of a contract. I was a little bit on the fence about whether or not it was going to happen, and that was Marcus Stroman. There was one point at this year, at the, during the season, it was a no-doubter that he was going to opt out, uh, and he was having this really good year, and then started dealing with some injuries. It was an all-star year, ended up only making 25 starts, uh, didn't quite finish out the way that we had thought. Obviously, it's important to prove um, that he is healthy. We know how good he has been. Uh, you know, quite honestly, these last couple of years in particular, maybe some of the best that we have seen from Marcus Stroman, or at least in the sense that as he's getting older, he is showing no signs of slowing down. It was only 136 innings this year. It was 138 uh, innings the year before. But prior to that, this was a guy who pretty consistently was making uh, at least his 30 or so starts uh, per year. Uh, I, I get it. He'll probably be able to get more money. It's going to be low strikeouts. It's going to be low walks. He's a contact pitcher, keeps the ball on the ground. Uh, Marcus Stroman now in the mix here because he is a free agent. I'd put him in as a top 10 now when we start looking at pitchers, him and Eduardo Riguez both essentially opting out. Um, but what do you make of Marcus Stroman here? Is, does he want to go back to Chicago? You know, the, the one thing about him is that he's burned a couple of bridges along the way, right? Calling out the New York Yankees when they didn't trade for him, calling out the New York Mets when they didn't bring him back, calling out the Atlanta Braves because of something they said when the All-Star game was taken away from Atlanta and basically calling out ownership. Um, so he's done that in the past. So there's some big market teams. I don't know if you cross those off the list or not um, because of some of the history there, but he's a good he's a good pitcher. We know that. He's a top 10 for me now in free agency. Marcus Stroman, free and clear after opting out. Yeah, so it makes sense because he'll get more than one-year contract by opting out. So, I mean, like just from a straight business sense, if you and I were as an agent, we are like, hey, we're going to opt out. No problem. You're going to make way more than this one-year contract. And and if we can, if you do want to stay in Chicago, because he said that. He was like, I really want to stay in Chicago. We can restructure and get multi-year deal and, and we can be done with this. Um, I'm not sure what his total overall number is just because he's not a high strikeout guy. You also have to have the the defense behind him to to kind of support it. So, like again, going back to the Chicago White Sox, for example, that was one of the worst defenses in baseball. Not mm -hmm. a good spot for Marcus Stroman, 
where the Diamondbacks, yeah, great spot for Marcus Stroman. That's one of the best defensive teams in baseball. So you'd have to pick and choose. The Cubs were a great defensive unit behind him as well, so it makes a lot of sense. I just, as I'm watching Stroman year after year, you know, you kind of look back and say like, okay, how are sinker ballers doing in the sport? Eventually, you know, right now it's it's the high spin rate fastball at the top of the zone. So Strowman is going to be on the back end of his career as a sinker baller, which I think benefits him. I do, because we're, we're not seeing a ton of sinker ball pitchers. So I, it's almost like you have the the strange unicorn from 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 20 years ago pitching in a league where they're not accustomed to getting the big sinker baller. Like Jordan Montgomery is another sinker ball pitcher left-handed. I think he's going to get uh, a Brinks car, you know, a Brinks truck at the back of his house. So um, I, I think I think there's so many more variables to pay attention to from a pitching standpoint versus just what have you done in the back of your baseball card. So I think velocities matter, secondary pitches matter, movement on your pitches, profile how you tunnel pitches. Uh, it it matters, and then finding a team that that can support that style of pitcher or a, a or a a stadium that can support that style of pitcher. He'd look really good in a Baltimore Orioles uniform, right? Like yeah. with Baltimore, like that's a really nice fit for Stroman. So we'll see. We'll see. I think good there's a, a pretty pretty heavy market for him. Yeah, I think the Baltimore Orioles are a team that you know probably has to go out and get at least one. Uh, veteran starter. We know they got some good young arms. They're going to be another fascinating team to watch for me this offseason because it's time to make a big move. Uh, but also they have great young players. They run so ridiculously deep and uh, there could be some fascinating traits if they're willing to do it. I think the great season and then getting swept in the division series, I would like to think is going to push them a little bit into aggressive mode. We haven't really seen it yet. Uh, Strowman for what it's worth a lot better against lefties this past year than righties but a lot of that could have to do with what you're talking about right just a 575 OPS against the lefties 712 still very respectable against the righties but they hit it at a much higher batting average at 272 and because of the heavy ground balls and maybe not the great defense that's going to turn more of those batted balls uh, into base hits 57 percent ground ball rate just absolutely incredible from Marcus Stroman that is his game and it's up to him right you want to go somewhere that you want to be like Chicago knowing more hits are probably going to get through like you mentioned because of the defense Uh, or do you want to go somewhere we have the chance to put up the best numbers help a team win a place like Baltimore certainly could be that spot so another interesting uh, piece here on the free agent market mentioned Eduardo Rodriguez as well uh, opting out leaving three years and nearly 50 million dollars on the table for that left-hander and so yeah what at one point seemed like maybe let's say a light off season uh, when it came to free agents, but we're seeing all the opt-outs now happen and these positions are getting deeper. Mentioned some of the starting pitchers you and I talked about uh, the DHs as well, DH and sometimes outfielders uh, all of a sudden now that becoming a pretty deep position. The off season is just getting started. It is only November 5th. I did see this the other day, or I should say today on the research tool. They do a nice job at the very top of this major league baseball's research tool. We are 109 days away, Billy from spring training and 144 before we get to opening day. So we got about a hundred days left of some really good off season talk. Of course, we know Shohei Otani will be at the top of that list. And man, I am super excited as great as the season was. Uh, we love the off season as well. Make sure you check us out on loud outs on MLB network radio, two to five Eastern time on most days, Sirius XM channel 89 and uh, much more opportunity, much more flexibility for Spilly and I to make sure uh, we are consistent with the podcast. You've been listening to negative or positive vibes. Have a great day. We'll be right back. 